Welcome to the Parents Place podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to the Parents Place podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, and I say that because this is a dear colleague of ours. Um, that we've roped into being here with us today. So we're so grateful that Jess is here with us. Are you so grateful that you're here with us? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so before we start, Jess, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Family Place. Sure. So I oversee the Parents and Teachers program. Um, that's a free in-home visiting program where we work with parents, caregivers, and their children prenatal to age five. Um, we go over a variety of topics, so like child development, family, well-being and planning. Um, we do an activity together, so you have that time with your child to bond and have that um, uninterrupted time. And there's a billion other aspects to it that I won't go into, but that is the gist. <laughs> <laughs> and remind me, because I should know the answer to this question, but this is a nationwide program so if our listeners aren't in Utah they may still have this option available yes okay but fun fact it's also worldwide nice of, uh, I can't remember all, all the countries I think they have in Australia uh, some in the UK so if you are out of the country <laughs> there's look up still the potential there's still the potential okay there. and I'm assuming like across the board it's always called or referred to as parents as teachers so just google that mm-hmm. and hopefully you'll find your location mm-hmm. yep yep they have a search a location search okay. engine somewhere on their website so you should be able to find it okay yeah sweet i love that okay well jess is going to share some um information that i am especially excited about because uh this may or may, not, may or may not be a struggle in my very own home. So I'm excited for you to give me all the tips and techniques on how to um, maneuver this. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, kids and being picky eaters. So let's start maybe with the first question I think a lot of parents want answered. And that is, is that normal? Well... I want to give you some peace of mind saying that it is completely normal. Okay. Um, it's one of the biggest, like, complaints or stressors or whatever uh-huh. you would call it that I get from parents. Just because it is such a touchy thing. You want the best for your child, obviously. And if they're not eating what you think they should be or if all they're eating is junk, you know, that can be a little concerning. So, if this happens in your house, Hillary... You're not alone. Yes. It's good. It's actually in the United <laughs> States called like the picky eating epidemic. So really? In, wow. Yeah, in the United States, it's really huge. There's a TED talk that I watch that I you guys can link in the show notes uh-huh. that kind of goes into this like epidemic we're seeing in the United States. You know, it's really interesting. But um, yeah, it, it's really common here in the United States. It's, Do oh. Do they have a common, like, is it vegetables that they're not wanting to eat? Like, what's the well, pickiness all about? That is a very, 
big question for a broad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like it it but depends are, on the child yeah. honestly the are they just wanting the junk food or fast food it, like, it would just be interesting to know that like well i why? i'm just curious as to like this epidemic is it is it the food industry like mm-hmm. is it is it their fault is it our fault is it a combination of everything like is this a worldwide or like you said, this is the United States? The, so like, it could be worldwide, but the information I know, is yeah. So I don't know, but about. yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I know I've looked at and watched documentaries myself talking about how awful our food industry mm-hmm. is. In oh, the I US. refuse to watch those. Oh yeah, yeah, and because then and you just don't want compared to, eat. to every other part of the world, how many more nutritious, healthy fruits and vegetables they offer their children. And so I can see it. I mean, not to take the blame off of us as parents, because I think there's. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about things that we can do, but there's a lot of junk that's provided to our kids, and that junk is enticing because it's bright, and it's full, and it's right at their eyeballs, and it's always at the front of the, you know, at the checkout stand, and so... Well, and I think other countries slow down. Yeah. We don't slow down, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like we get all of our kids into all of these activities, and then the thing that's easiest for dinner is to stop at McDonald's. It's this grab-and-go type situation. Yeah. Yeah. We've derailed you. Continue with what you were saying. That was just shocking. (laughs) It is. No, it makes me really curious to watch that, so. Going along with that, I also learned while kind of like poking around in this information that the average U.S. uh, grocery store has 30,000 plus different options. So Mm. 30,000 plus products that are not the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is so much. That is overwhelming for parents. It's overwhelming for children just to go and look at that. They see the thing that looks the coolest, and that's what mm-hmm. they want, you know? So I think, honestly, it's a, I mean, a combination of all these different factors. Yeah. But it is super common. Okay. Um, it's usually, typically begins around, like, the age of two. Okay. Peaks at age three, and then tapers down a little bit at four point, or four and a half. Okay. So, um... Again, those are just average, so uh-huh. if your child's not fitting into that, that, you know, it could be that they're picky or they're all We don't know. I just think of my nephew. He was in that age group. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, he was horrific. Yeah. It was salami slices. <laughs> oh, goodness. It was um, pasta, but it had to be the spinach, to- with the spinach tomato round oh. noodle or the spiral noodles. Mm. It couldn't just be the plain ones, and Caesar dressing, and specific chicken nuggets, and let me tell you, if he did not get what he wanted, there was a ginormous screaming match. (laughs) I remember once I made the plain pasta, not the green and orange ones. How dare you, Jen? (laughs) I even held up the box boxes said which one do you want <laughs> he chose the plain one i made it in an hour that kid screamed oh, i just recorded him and ate my lunch <laughs> yeah. which i mean i guess poses the question so you say it starts to you start to notice this for a lot of individuals peaking around two to four is it because that's when they're starting to develop some autonomy is that because i mean is there a reason why it tends to hit around that age range there is a lot going on for two and three. Yeah. Um, that is typically when you see the most like 
a searching for independence, you mm-hmm. know? So sometimes it's not even about the food. It's yeah. about the control. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in a power struggle with a two or three-year-old, but you Daily. will not <laughs> win that battle. Yeah. You know, that's why yeah. I quartered him for an hour while he screamed. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And sometimes it's all you can do, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's not even about the food mm. at that point. It's that I wanted my chicken nuggets on your plate and you gave me a blue one <laughs> so dare i'm gonna you. throw them out you know yeah one last story about my nephew <laughs> even ketchup it had to be a specific <laughs> kind of ketchup we were sitting in chili's restaurant and the bottle was heinz yes he put it no out bad. and he took a thing he that is not heinz yikes and he was older by this time and his pickiness lasted quite some time yeah. but it was like this is not Heinz ketchup you go and get <laughs> and I'm like and he threw another screaming match but was, I, I think that's really important for parents to recognize because I think sometimes when our kids aren't eating the food especially if it's food that we have taken the time to prepare mm-hmm. we take that as like a personal offense mm-hmm. how dare you tell me that my cooking is or isn't good and it may have nothing to do with the mm-hmm. actual food itself and yeah. so I think don't take it personal it has nothing to do with what you have provided. It has more to do, like you said, with that that independence. Yeah, that, that power of will, you know. Um, so going, like, moving along with that, though. Uh, if it is, like, a power struggle thing, which, you know, is very common in these young kids as well, uh, some ways you can kind of, like, combat that is offering them choices in other ways. So if you think about it, we tell them what to do all day mm-hmm. long. And at that age, they're starting to realize, I'm my own person, you know? <laughs> and so us giving them these choices throughout the day, like, do you want to wear uh, the long socks or the short socks? Do you want to wear this shirt or this shirt? Like, little choices where we can give them mm-hmm. can sometimes help when there isn't choice Mm -hmm. but we also need to be careful and not phrasing things as a question when there is no choice so I think it's really common when we're like hey are you ready for dinner we're giving them the opportunity to say no No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they're playing they don't want to like put their toys away we just say it's time for dinner Mm -hmm. Um, something that can also help with that is like a dinner time routine so Mm -hmm. if you haven't been doing this it might take like several times a use foot, but it doesn't have to be like a big production either. It can be you wash your hands, you put on a bib and you set the tip. That's a routine. Mm-hmm. And if it's just something that's consistent every day, that's something they're used to, something that they know is gonna happen, in a way it makes the brain feel safe. Yeah. Like as people in general, we like to know what's happening next. And so if there's like that fear taken out of it in a sense, then maybe the the mealtime will go a little more pleasant, mm-hmm. you know. But again, it does depend on the child temperament is going to play a part of this. So if you have a child that's a little more, like, slow to warm mm-hmm. to new situations, it might take them several times of an introduction of a new food to finally even just put their lips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, um, what was it, like 10 to 15 times... Hmm. that you might have to introduce a child to something before they're, wow. like, even going to consider it. Again, not always, 
but that's just like an average statistic is they yeah. need to see it on their plate um something really helpful with that is, as well as having the parent model so if you want them to eat broccoli even if you don't <laughs> like broccoli you know maybe just have them see you nibble mm -hmm. on it. You know, they'll be like, ew, gross. Mm -hmm. And then they expect them to go around and eat it, you know? Yeah. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you make your bed, but I'm not going to make my bed. <laughs> yeah. They, kids are very, very um, um, observant. Yes. So they will watch the people that are around, and, you know, they want to be like their caregivers, their mom and dad, their brother, sister, whatever. And so the likelihood of them, like, trying these foods is higher if they mm -hmm. see the people that are around doing it as well. Yeah. I think consistency falls into that. Mm -hmm. Because if you, I mean, seeing the food that many times, but then if you give in because they've thrown a big enough tantrum and then give them whatever they want, then you're just teaching them, throw this tantrum and you'll get to what you want. Exactly. And that's hard because... And I think sometimes we as parents don't realize we've taught our children to react in lots of different ways mm -hmm. because we're not consistent. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, especially with a situation where you're in public. Like yeah. you mentioned, at the restaurant, my child starts to throw a major meltdown. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier just to say, fine, just yeah. we'll get you the ketchup. Or, sure, you can just have the ice cream instead. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a tricky situation to be in. Yeah, and I think it's important to remain consistent for sure but I also think as parents you need to like understand that you cannot give 100% every single day mm -hmm. that's impossible yeah. <laughs> so to give yourself grace and like we all try our best and sometimes our best looks different on Tuesday than it does Wednesday you know mm -hmm. and, and that's okay so like if these are things that you're trying to implement and it doesn't go 100% mm -hmm. every time then the world's not going to end. I don't know, I just yeah. feel like people are so hard on yeah. themselves. Yeah. Well, when I think consistent, I mean, you know, if we have a bad day, that's great. But if every single time we're getting in, mm -hmm. that's when the consistency becomes a problem. Yeah. Every sure. now and then, because we have a hard day, that's not going to yeah. hurt anybody. But I think also we have to come to the realization that sometimes really the kid just doesn't like it. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot things of things that, that I don't, don't like. That's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that 10 to 15 statistic, I'm like, if I given myself 15 different times to try mushrooms, I maybe haven't. No wonder I don't like them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a big number. And so, you, yeah, it's this idea of looking at myself and saying, that's, uh, that's consistent effort mm -hmm. at doing mm -hmm. something that we maybe don't initially want to do. Yeah, so. it does take effort. And, you know, it, it can be hard, but it's something we want to see. We have to think about the big picture, mm -hmm. you know, this might fix it for now, mm -hmm. but what habits is that teaching your child, you know, to take on as they grow yeah. and get older and they're in school, you know, so it's much, it's not a quick fix. It's yeah. like you're in it for the long haul. <laughs> <call. laughs> Darn it, that's how most techniques are. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to give you a few scenarios, very common scenarios that I think we hear from parents. Mm -hmm. And let's brainstorm maybe possible solutions. So I'm thinking, first one, um, that we hear quite often, uh, I've, I've provided the dinner, I've done everything I can to set the stage for a positive environment, 
and yet they still refuse, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do we force them to eat? You know, we, we've heard the technique of you've got to eat this many bites or you need to eat until your plate is clean. Is it appropriate to provide a separate meal? Uh, let's start with the you got to eat everything on your plate scenario, which is a super common one. You're going to sit there until you're done eating. Exactly. I've been there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, is that okay to do? Is that something to avoid? Um, it's, it's been shown, studies have shown, that that generally has the adverse effect. Okay. Because now you're food shaming. Yeah. You're forcing yeah. your child to eat. And we really, really want to stay away from okay. that. Um, say they're like, I'm not eating this dinner. You know, don't force it. Mm -hmm. Do your best not to make separate meals. I know that sounds okay. super easy, but I think they mentioned this TED Talk that I watched. This mom making like five different meals. It's teaching the children in that if you don't do this, I will give into what you want. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So it becomes more of like you get what you want kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of like a bad habit learned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know when I was a kid, it was either you eat what I make, or you can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. And, and that was going to be my next question. So I'm thinking sometimes with my older kids, you know, maybe they don't want what we're providing. And so they're old enough for me to say, all right, if you're not going to eat that, then it's your responsibility yeah. to make PB&J or even to make cereal. But is that in there? Like, I'm afraid that that also is kind of allowing them to get out the hook of trying new things yeah. we were never allowed to try other or make ourselves things it was a pb and j the end yeah but like and that's so, usually two very simple options but i'm like maybe i shouldn't even offer that so <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean with the older kids i don't so much like know with the younger ones yeah we want to be careful with not, you know, it's like giving into a temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. If they scream and cry and we give them what they want, like you were saying, mm -hmm. Jen, then they're going to do it again because mm -hmm. that's how they learn that they get what they want. Yeah. So, like, doing our best not to make that a habit again, if it becomes, like, an ongoing mm -hmm. thing, okay. that's when you would need to, like, talk to your pediatrician. Yeah. Um, but we also want to be careful in teaching our children not to listen to their hunger cues. Children are very in tune with their bodies, and I think as parents we need to trust if they're hungry, they will eat. Again, if there's something medical going on, then that's a different story. Mm -hmm. um, but when we sit children down and we're like, you do not leave this table until your plate is clear, mm -hmm. we're teaching them to ignore their body's natural yes. cues of, I'm full. You know, and although we have good intentions, it could lead to some like, not so great outcomes like obesity, and other like food disorders later in life. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see that. I think anorexia can go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anything to where they now have control. Mm -hmm. Okay, so err on the side of we're offering praise and encouragement. If they do attempt to try something, if they choose not to do so, that's their choice. Mm -hmm. We're not going to provide a separate meal, mm -hmm. and um, we're not going to uh, supplement it with additional sugary snacks if yeah. they're choosing not to eat yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've been pondering that older kid thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know what? If they're willing to make their own dinner 
And it's not taking away from another, like if you meal plan, mm -hmm. it's not taking away mm -hmm. from another meal. And they're willing to make it. Yeah. And then they're willing to clean it up, mm -hmm. put the dishes in the dishwasher. So there's no evidence that they made anything <laughs> else. <laughs> Leave no trace. Then, I don't know, I wouldn't really yeah. care. Well, I, you know, as, as you guys were talking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, at these ages, at, at two and three and four and five, we're still in the process of experimenting with uh -huh. foods and mm -hmm. new foods. And we have yet to know what they like, what they like and what they dislike. Yeah. For my 14-year-old, I have a pretty good idea of what uh -huh. he likes and doesn't like. And so there's going to be things that he doesn't like. And I can respect that. Yeah. And so if I make something that I know is not his thing, I think it is okay to say, yep, I made this and I know you don't necessarily love tomato sauce. So yes, if you want to make yourself a PB&J, mm -hmm. that's fine. Clean it up when you're done. But I think that scenario is different than this scenario uh -huh. where we're introducing a brand new food for mm -hmm. the first time and we really want to encourage the family as a whole mm -hmm. to try it out. Yeah. So, I like And I that. think the family as a whole needs to try it out. Mm -hmm. It can't just be, you haven't tried it, so here. Yeah. yeah. We're all going to sit here and watch you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to just celebrate those, like, small successes, you know? Like, say today they just tolerate that food being on their plate. That's a win, <laughs> you know? That's better than the it's day being before. better than thrown at it. Exactly. <laughs> That's so, right. Like, any time you can associate positivity with, like, a certain food mm -hmm. or, like, a mealtime even in general, it's going to hopefully give you those outcomes that you're you're looking mm -hmm. for. We just don't want to make food for mealtimes like a negative experience because it's usually going to turn into just you know, I'm not going to eat this, period, kind of thing. Just that kind of battle and mm -hmm. power struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what we're trying to avoid. Um, I just had visions of the Christmas story. And oh, the yeah. Big, the little boy going to be a pig and then <laughs> mashed potatoes. Really yeah. <sighs> and you're, you're right in saying, like, kids, they have preferences, too, mm -hmm. you know? Like, Jen, what if somebody sat you down and was like, you eat this bottle of ketchup until it's gone? <laughs> no. She'd still be sitting here to this day. Yes. yes. <laughs> <And then laughs> you guys don't know, Jen does not like ketchup, so yeah. that would be a huge trouble, you know? Yeah. There's just some foods, like, your child's not going to like, and that's mm -hmm. okay. They're mm -hmm. human as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have preferences. And your palates do change over time. You yeah. Know? So... They may not like it now, but they could like it later. But I think the golden rule is that parents provide the food and healthy options, and it's the mm -hmm. child's job to decide how much and what they eat. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a good reminder, like, that through this process of providing a meal, like you said, we're providing options. And so, you know, sometimes we feel like it's a loss if our child doesn't try the main dish that we offered. But if we're... Providing a main dish with, you and know, vegetable. some oranges and some broccoli on the side and a drink of milk and they choose to eat two of those four things, like, that's still a win mm -hmm. because they're getting something in those little bellies. And so I think provide a variety of options. Um, and if they don't eat at all, they, they don't eat at all. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Um, I they're not going to starve themselves. No, they're and not. that's such a hard concept for parents to grasp, yeah. especially when they're little. So I think if we can just remember that, that they're, they're, 
they're young, but yeah. they, like you said, I think out. part of being young is recognizing those physical cues. Yeah. And I think that, like, I'm remembering back to one of my nieces, and she would eat a big breakfast. Yeah. And she was two, three years old, but she would, she, it was breakfast. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't eat any lunch. And then dinner, it was, you know, she'd want apples and peanut butter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing big, but it was... She ate a huge breakfast, and her doctor finally told her she's not going to starve herself. Yeah. This is this is where she knows she's hungry, and she's mm-hmm. eating a big breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that may be what she needs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my little guy is like the teeniest, tiniest little bird, and he eats like a bird. And I've there's been times before where I've talked to my pediatrician, and he's like, he'll, he'll eventually get a growth spurt, and during that growth spurt, he'll probably realize, well... Yeah. My body needs a little bit more than what I've been offering it in the past. Mm-hmm. And chances are he'll kind of learn that lesson on his own. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a good reminder for me to be like, just provide what I can. And like I said, he'll kind of take over from there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important too to remember um, that eating is a very sensory-oriented experience. And sometimes sensory experiences are more difficult for some people mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whether that be like the way the food looks, smells, the way it tastes, the, you know, texture Mm -hmm. of it, we need to be mindful of that as well. I remember when I taught preschool, I had quite a few children when we were serving lunch, like, do not let my food touch. Oh, yeah. And if it did, they would (laughs) scoot it away and they would have nothing to do with it, you know? And I'd be like, well... Jeez, I am so, you know, in the beginning I was like so annoyed and then, <laughs> yes, you know, I figured out, it, I created barriers with paper towels. Yeah. Like I didn't like, I loved zucchini, but I didn't like that the, my mom would boil it mm-hmm. and I didn't like that the juices oh, yes. would get every, so uh-huh. I would create the little barriers with paper towels. Yeah. I did that with several foods and sadly I Still do, huh? Mm-hmm. Still do. Yes, yeah, so it <laughs> depends on the person, right? So we just need to, like, remember that our children are individuals. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes, in a way, we forget that, mm-hmm. you know, and that they like things a certain way. And, and that's okay, although it can be annoying to us as adults. We still need to respect them as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, the portion sizes, this blew my mind when... Uh, I first started working for Pat. I was reading through the nutrition information. I found this out. Um, they recommend you start with a tablespoon per, like, whatever their age is. So if they're a one-year-old, you put a tablespoon of food. For their for that meal. Yeah. yeah. That's it? And yeah. that's not a lot. It's that's a, not a lot. Yeah. A tablespoon. A that's tablespoon. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the reasoning behind that is, like, if you give them this plate and it is just full, you know, like think about a plate that you get on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's overwhelming to mm-hmm. us as adults. Imagine if you're a little two-year-old and you see all this food, you might not be able to know where to begin. So it's their recommendation is to start smaller and it's always better to have them ask for more mm. than see this big plate and get overwhelmed yes. and have nothing to do with okay, it. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I'm is... like, a tablespoon for all, that's all they get? No, no, that's that just doesn't mean like not that's enough. 
All they have to eat. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if they're but then if they ask for more, means yeah, give you another but tablespoon. Like yeah. I'm thinking about that visual, and I'm thinking, how many times have I, at my house or at a family function where I have I have made a plate for my child, and then come back to that plate later and thought to myself. They didn't eat anything. And I get really frustrated at the fact that there is still so much food on their plate. When, mm-hmm. in reality, they probably did eat mm-hmm. how much was appropriate for them yeah. to eat. But I'm still looking at all the excess mm-hmm. and thinking, and getting mad as a parent because they have so much wasted food. Yeah. So. And they have small stomachs. They're kids, mm-hmm. you know. So what's typical for us clearly is not typical for them. You know? Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. That's part of like the sensory experience, you know. It's like this is too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, probably. I mean, going back to what you initially said, I think just as a society as a whole, that's one of the downfalls of the food industry is that that we're probably all getting bigger portions than what we need to have. Yeah. <laughs> like realistically speaking, even as adults, we probably have more on our plate than really what our body needs, mm-hmm. nutritionally speaking. So. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I just find that to be like a really interesting thing because I didn't know this either until I was reading up on it. And I was like, what? That is insane. <laughs> but if you think about it, it makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why I see why they have the recommendation for that. Just thinking about my stepdaughter. She always wanted me to order like two quesadillas or I want the fried rice and I want this. And I'm like... Then I get ticked off at her because mm-hmm. she wouldn't eat it, and mm-hmm. I spent it or make it. So less is better. If they yeah. want more, you can always give them more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you well, can't take it away. And I mean, we all know. I and mean, I think one of the things that's really frustrating, where one of the frustration lies for a lot of parents, is that food is not cheap. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. food is very expensive, especially nowadays. And mm-hmm. so. To have food that is not eaten and left on the plate, that's, you can see why parents get Mm -hmm. so angry Mm -hmm. at that scenario and Mm -hmm. then at their children because of that, so. Yeah, it's going back to um, not taking it personally. Yeah, (laughs) Uh uh-huh. When I was a preschool teacher, they always told us to Q-tip, so quit taking it personally. <laughs> so <laughs> I always have to remind myself that this child is not out to get me. <laughs> you know, they, they don't have that capability. They're not, they don't have the brain capacity. capacity to manipulate you or, you know, do things like that. Mm-hmm. So we just can't take it personally. If we spend, you know, a couple hours making this beautiful meal and they want yeah. nothing to do with it, it's not because of you. Yeah. <laughs> Good reminder. Yeah. So I know with with the PAP program, um, one of the things that you guys are really good at is just identifying what is age appropriate and, and maybe where there might be some developmental delays and whatnot. So let's say that we have what we would assume is an incredibly picky eater, maybe out of the norm. Um, at what point should maybe we reach out to our pediatrician to say, hey, like they're eating nothing. Realistically, think they're starving. Uh, what? When do we know? Maybe when we've gone beyond that normal development. Um, I, I think that they, they would check weight. Mm-hmm. You know, and if your child is falling like below the average, I guess percentile uh-huh. for their age group, that's mm-hmm. when it would be a concern. Um, 
that's when you probably would get referred to like an occupational therapist or like a okay. feeding therapist because there could be something else going on that you don't know. Mm-hmm. There could be allergies, you know, other stomach issues. That, you know, when we have a, a stomach ache, we don't want to eat. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just too young to like be able to explain what's going on in their body. Mm-hmm. That's when you would need to talk with other professionals. Um, because if they really are starving, then there's a bigger issue at hand yeah. there, you know, mm-hmm. so hopefully the pediatrician can get them to the right place that they need. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Okay, one more question for you. One more hot topic here. I, I know that <laughs> snacks is another tricky one for parents. Mm-hmm. So when to offer snacks, how many snacks are okay, because I think sometimes you have these kids that, like, that's how they're surviving, yeah. <laughs> is on snacks. And so then when they do get to mealtime, they're not hungry, realistically, mm-hmm. because they've had so many snacks offered. I mean, nutritionally, do kids need snacks? And what do we want that to look like in our home? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the recommendation for children is three meals and two snacks offered throughout the day. Um, but you're right in saying, like, if we feed them a snack at 4 o'clock and dinner's at 5, mm-hmm. are they going to be hungry for dinner? Most mm-hmm. likely not. So we want to be, like, strategic in when we're offering these foods. Um, you know, so say they go to preschool, you feed them breakfast, they go for half day, and then it's lunch. Maybe they have a nap and then you offer a snack, and then a few hours later it's dinner time. Like, set them up for success, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, if we want them to be hungry for dinner, then we don't want to be feeding them right before dinner happens. Okay. Um, you know, I know all of this is easier said than done. So we do need to, again, give ourselves grace. Because if your child's come up to you and be like, I'm so hungry, mm-hmm. you know. As a parent, you're going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to feed you right now, you know. But maybe they can wait a half hour. Maybe they can wait 20 minutes or so, you know. But we just want to be careful when we're offering food. Yeah. I'm thinking there was a co-worker she used to have just a basket of fruit mm-hmm. on the counter when they came and asked can I have something after they already had their little snack yeah. you can have a piece of fruit and that was most of the time mm-hmm. enough to say no I can wait Yes, but <laughs> you know it was like if you're okay with them having it or if they come well here let me cut a banana in half and you can have half of a banana yeah yeah yeah, I think what we mostly want to steer away is from that, like, grazing. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like, having whatever food accessible 24-7, you know, and they graze throughout the day, mm-hmm. and then they're not getting those meals. Yes. So I think that's sometimes where we need to be careful. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a lot to work on. Especially if you've already been doing something yeah. a certain way, any type of like change is going to be difficult yeah. for the child and the parent, you know? So it's just, you know, starting out small, making like little changes, mm-hmm. and again, thinking about what is your ultimate goal here for mm-hmm. yourself and your child? Do you want your child to, you know, learn these healthy habits so they can carry them on into adulthood or whatever your goal may be. Mm-hmm. Have that in the back of your mind so hopefully it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Yeah. But it is hard. And and, and maybe you can speak to this as well too. I, I like that you bring up Jess that, I mean, there's probably a lot of a lot of you listening out there that are thinking, well, crap, my child's 10. 
Like, can I start now? You know? And they still think there are little things we can do. It's Mm -hmm. not that we have to, you know, throw our hands in the air and say, well, it is what it is. I guess they're just going to eat chicken nuggets for the rest of their life. So we can still implement those little skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just little things. Um, This is kind of like going back a few steps, but like introducing or even like getting your child to try it. Um... You can, like, cook it with, like, a starch or butter, mm-hmm. you know, something like, what's that word, dextrose, glucose, essentially, like, mm-hmm. even a little bit of sugar, Yeah. get them to kind of, like, get that taste for mm-hmm. it, and then slowly taper it off, mm-hmm. you know, so they get used to it. That's one strategy. Obviously, we don't always be wanting, want to be putting these extra calories on, but if we can get them used to it. And then kind of taper it. Yeah. That's, you know, just one little small thing that we can do that can make, yeah. like, a bigger impact down the road. And I think that's a power. Like, I have a good friend who I've had dinner at her home a handful of times. And she will always offer a wide variety of vegetables. And I will eat them at her house and think, my golly, these are amazing here. How come mine don't taste like this? But she knows she has the skill of being able to cook them. However, I mean, and I know that... Sometimes that includes, uh, you know, sautéing and marinating and, like you said, adding some spices and whatnot. But I think a lot of being, a lot of cooking is creativity and knowing Mm -hmm. those skills and techniques. Because, yeah, we can offer a bland, boiled vegetable as is, or we can find a way to jazz it up. It does well, make a difference. The, there was that whole craze of hiding cauliflower. Yes, I remember that. And hiding uh-huh. vegetables and things. And so you can get creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's cookbooks out there that tell you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So seeking out those, there's resources out there. Yeah. I mean, open up the, the, the Pinterest app and you'll be <laughs> bombarded with yes. lots of ideas of how to incorporate some creativity with your kids. I... I just, uh, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know how my girls stumbled upon, uh, they, they found a video about a dragon fruit, which I have never tried in my life before. Have you ever had a dragon fruit before? Do they even sell them here? They're very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Because they don't offer them that often. They somehow decided in their head, like, we must have this fruit. <laughs> this has got to be the best fruit on yeah. the planet. And so we found it at the store. It was quite expensive. So I said, we will buy this one thing and one thing only. <laughs> it was like quadruple what I would have bought anywhere else. But they, but we bought it and we cut it open and we all tried it. And I won't be honest with you, it was mediocre at best. But they were so excited because they came up with the idea. They went to the store with me. We felt like it was part of the experience. And so I think even though it's frustrating to still be working with these older kids, I think you have that added benefit of take them with you. Have them look up the recipes. Have them help you make the meals. We may not be able to offer our two and three-year-olds that much responsibility, but with our older kids, we can. Mm-hmm. We can pull out a cookbook and we can say, look through that cookbook and you find what sounds good to you and then we'll go shopping together and you can help me pick out all the ingredients for it so that is a wonderful way to get your child involved if they are involved in one way or another even if it's just going to the grocery store holding out an apple and orange and having them point to which one mm-hmm. they want 
this, they might be more likely to eat it. And again, like the older ones, maybe yeah. they hit like five or whatever. You can give them a, a butter knife and they can mm-hmm. cut bananas, you know. They feel special when they're yes. involved in the process. Yes. And they, you know, feel proud, like, look what I did. So they're more likely to eat that food. So that's, mm-hmm. I'm so, so glad mm-hmm. you mentioned that because that is a wonderful way to introduce foods and get them excited about it. I think it's always a, a good idea to make this as pleasant as mm-hmm. you can. You know, make it a fun experience. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, fun things you can do with food, like put it in uh, a muffin tin instead of on a plate. It's something yeah. different, you know? Or you could play, um, it's like I spy, but uh-huh. like I taste, you know, the different flavors. Yeah. Make it a game. You could have a picnic either inside or outside. Just, you know, making it associating positivity mm-hmm. with food. That's mm-hmm. going to go a long place. I have a book that is like 500 activities you can do with your kids that don't involve TV. Mm-hmm. And my husband looked through it and was trying to figure out something he could do with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do a food tasting game. So they went to the grocery store and that's what they did. They went to the fruits and vegetables and got all of the weird... Yeah, ones like, that you would never think to buy. Cactus and... I don't know. I just remember the cactus. <laughs> Yeah, but there were some other, I think they got a ginger root. Uh-huh. I mean, just different things yeah. that you normally, and then they had a little game to where they did a taste test. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I even find with my kids that, like, especially with snacks, we have a pantry and it has snacks and they tend to go to the pre-packaged sugary snacks that are easy to grab and go. But if I can make an effort to cut up some fruits and some vegetables and even to like display them in a cute way on a board, like if it's out and it is new mm-hmm. and enticing, they are they will take it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I just have an apple sitting in the pantry, that's probably the last thing that they'll touch. But if I pull that apple out and I cut it up and I assemble it and you know, shirt all of a sudden, yeah, create a charcuterie board based on it, like, it completely changes it, and so I think even putting in a little bit of effort to, like, prepare and assemble it, yeah, will make a difference. Definitely. I love this. This is good. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Jess, as we're kind of wrapping up, any final tips that you would offer to parents? Um, I kind of just really want to hit home this thing positive and I know that's easier said than done (laughs) but again our children pick up on our emotions and Mm -hmm. our senses so if we are just like dreading mealtime or dreading whatever it is about uh, a food they're going to like sense that so do your best to make it a positive experience celebrate those small Mm -hmm. successes um yeah I don't know I think that we just need to keep in mind that we are doing our best, mm-hmm. you know? And not every experience is going to be positive and realize that as well, but making it as positive as we can and take it day by day. Oftentimes, for me at least, I, I feel like when I make a goal, I get so excited about it in the beginning and I'm gonna do this right now, today, and it's gonna just go perfectly. But then a week down the road, I'm like, I don't like this anymore. I'm gonna, you know, stop. But I find if I do like something really small, like make the itty bitty change, mm-hmm. 
I can build upon that and you know it grows and it just it becomes a habit mm -hmm. so I think not trying to do too much at once will be your friend as well okay. but maybe you are that type of person that's like I'm doing it, it's done, mm -hmm. overnight, and more power to you. If you think like me, it's going to take time and yeah. think about this as, you know, a lifelong thing. Eating doesn't go away. You mm -hmm. have to do it. Your mm -hmm. children have to do it. So we may as well make it as pleasant as we can. Mm -hmm. yes. Love it. Well, it's reminding me of that podcast we did a bit ago about instead of goals, having themes oh, yes. for mm -hmm. the year. And yeah. So maybe having a theme of trying new things mm -hmm. and you can throw food in there as well. Yeah. And yeah. make it a family goal. Mm -hmm. Or not a family goal, a family theme. Yeah. 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 That way you can do, that encompasses a lot of different things. But mm -hmm. we want to thank you so much for joining us today and we think, um, I want to thank Jessica for coming and giving us all this great information about our picky eaters and how we can help them out. Um, we hope that you've had a great day and re remind you to be kind and patient with yourselves and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at parents at the familyplaceutah.org or you can reach Jen on Facebook. Jen Daly dash the family place. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.